St. Louis Public Radio's The Gateway gives you the day's news first thing every weekday morning. From the ever-evolving relationship between St. Louis City and County to developments in the Missouri and Illinois state capitals and reports from our correspondents in Rolla and the Metro East. We put it all in a roughly 10-minute package with clarity and context. Download The Gateway wherever you get podcasts. Well, as a person of color, I grew up believing that, you know, oh my goodness, mental health issue, you have a problem, you have to keep that to yourself. Talk to God, talk to someone, just don't uh, talk to a person or family or friends because they might think you're, you're nuts. That's Kevin Gardner. He's a member of St. Louis's Gateway Men's Chorus. The group began as a choir of gay men, but today it's much more than that. I'm Nancy Fowler, and this is Cut and Paste, St. Louis Public Radio's arts and culture podcast. Now, 30 years ago, it was a revolutionary act for gay men to come out and just sing together. One day, when the glory comes, it will be ours, it will be ours. Now, the Gateway Men's Chorus is embracing a much larger revolution. You can see that in their latest concert called We Will Rise. It explores not only LGBTQ issues, but also other marginalized groups, including those affected by mental illness and people who are African-American. Now, the concert was originally going to be about gay men and their families, but that was before a series of very significant events in St. Louis, including the not guilty verdict for police officer Jason Stockley a white man charged with murder in the death of Anthony Lamar Smith, who was black. I talked with Gardner, who's also a master sergeant at Scott Air Force Base, and Robert Stump, who's artistic director of the Gateway Men's Chorus. We talked about the performance and the shift in its focus. As we got into the summer and into the very early fall, we saw, you know, the Stockley verdict came out, and we saw, um, you know, protests, you know, some people would call them protests, some people would call them riots. I certainly would prefer to call them protests because that's exactly what they were. Um, There was also a transgender woman of color named Kiwi who was killed over the summer, I think in August, uh, by law enforcement. Uh, And also taking a look at, you know, some of our our members uh, since I've been here have shared, you know, their, their personal um, their personal struggles with mental illness or, you know, suicide attempts, um, you know, and I've, uh, frankly, I've had my own real struggles with mental illness over the years. And luckily I've had, you know, the support of good friends, you know, people like Kevin and, and, and Ken and just folks who have been very supportive. So, Kevin, can you tell me, like, what your thoughts were and maybe the thoughts of the other singers as a group when Robert first wanted to switch the themes of this spring performance? to focus on people who have mental illness or who are transgender or African-American. When this change happened, when this transition happened, uh, we were all for it, uh, especially after, like I said, the, the murder of, of Kiwi and, and certain other uh, monumental issues that have come to the forefront um, during this time frame. Now is definitely a time to, to have a concert like this. Um, one of the most important things out of this is mental health issues. Um, okay, as tell a, me more about that. Well, as a person of color, I grew up believing that, you know, 
oh my goodness, if you mental health issue, you have a problem, you have to keep that to yourself. Talk to God, talk to someone, just don't uh, talk to a person or family or friends because they might think you're you're nuts. And as I uh, and went, they would use that word nuts. Yes, they would use that word nuts or or you know vulgar terms. And, you know, they make a person feel, like myself, make you feel pretty small for even bringing it up. And as I progress through my career with the military and as I've run into some issues myself as a man of color, a gay man of color, um, I realized that stifling that type of, uh, stifling that I needed help was not helping me whatsoever. And so I found uh, I found the chorus, and I found I found within myself to actually get help, and I did. And I I saw my therapist for years, and it he helped me get to where I am today. And I believe that more people need to know that it is okay to reach out for help when you need it. Can you talk in any detail about the sort of issues that you you dealt with and then had help with? Absolutely. Um, I had been attacked some time ago, and uh, because of uh, because of the nature of the attack and because of the uh, venue I was at um, surrounding that and uh, me was being it like in the military, a gay club. It was a gay okay. club, um, and it was after me being at a gay bar, okay. underage, <laughs> and uh, this was during Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And so this happened, uh, I was still closeted with my family, um, still with some of my friends, I I had no one. And so I carried a lot of that to my, in my I, I just didn't let it out, I didn't talk to anyone about it. And it just, it's, I thought everything was okay, but little by little it started manifesting itself to the point where I realized I didn't like leaving my house. I didn't like communicating with people. Um, I became, from what I used to be, a happy-go-lucky person um, to very closed off from the world. And it, it didn't help me whatsoever. It showed up in my work performance. Uh, I was in school at the time. It showed up in my grades, and it showed up in my interactions with anyone. I didn't want to date anyone. I didn't want to have friends. I didn't even want to. I didn't want to do anything but just be by myself and watch TV, and that was not a very healthy way for me to live. Um, and so I, I did get help, and I realized that, you know, this wasn't my fault, and that I'm not some weakling that I'm still a man and that, you know, what happened to me was not my fault. And little by little, I started saying it to myself and I started taking the advice of my therapist and I turned my life around. To me, if you would, both of you, about what the, sort of this intersectionality, you know, among these issues that you mentioned, um, mental health, being transgender, um, being African-American, 
uh, it seems to me that there are some themes um, among these marginalized populations that are that they have in common, um, and that's kind of what you're doing with this this presentation. If you could just talk a little bit more about that. I think anywhere you go, no matter what demographic you're looking at, stereotyping is a major issue that I think we all have, uh, that we all face, um, whether we're on one side or the other. Um, you know, judgments are made on appearance, and they're made at, the hair, at a hair trigger. The snap of the fingers, you see somebody across the room, and all of these things come flying into your head without a real understanding of who they are, where they've come from, what their experiences are. Um, I think one thing that, you know, intersectionality, tying all these things together is that um, there are people who can identify with one issue or maybe two or sometimes even all three. Um, but one thing I think is is uh, very imperative, all of them, is fear. Well, I mean, if you look at suicide rates, a high number of them are from the um, minority communities, uh, African-American women, um, transgender and uh, gay community because you just the way society has has uh, the way society is it seems that you're less of a person because you're not the the popular race you don't feel as beautiful as your blonde haired blue-eyed Aryan brother sister you you feel like you know you, there's something off about you um, you're not as, you know, manly as the straight heterosexual male with his wife and children. Um, so there has to be a problem with you. Um, the way some uh, religious organizations have taught us throughout the years is that, you know, the high supreme does not approve of you. In fact, he's disgusted by you. And when you die, you're going to be cast into the lowest of lows. And that's a pits. powerful negative message. It is. And while some people try and sweep that under the rug, it's not very, it's not a very easy thing to do, especially when, you know, a lot of people like myself grew up in church and this is what you hear and it's like pounded in you. And it's, it's, you just feel like, well, why should I be here? It seems like there's almost like a, a strength in numbers kind of a thing going on. I mean, and also maybe it speaks to sort of the march of history in that, you know, this was primarily formed as a course for and about gay men. And now, you know, we're looking at and paying tribute and singing about these other issues. Um, do you see this as any reflection of society, the ways in which we're not just focusing on a single issue, but we're sort of embracing a larger umbrella of issues? Yes. Um, I would say back when I first joined, um, I don't think uh, the subject of transgender people would have even been a thought. Um, not that anyone had anything against transgender uh, members of our community. It just wasn't a very, it wasn't very, it wasn't noticed much back then, and there weren't uh, these issues that are coming up now as far as violence against our transgender uh, brothers and sisters as it is now. Um, there weren't, uh, there weren't such, there weren't, it wasn't brought to the forefront much about uh, how African-American men 
were under attack as much as it is now. And a lot of that has to do, again, with social media um, being as huge as it is now than it was back then. And people are tired of it, and people now are being very vocal about it. Um, There have been a lot of things in the past couple of years um, that that now has people coming up front and saying, you know, we're tired of this, we need help. And we need more people to stand with us. Um, There are certainly more people coming out of the woodwork that have no problem saying, you know, they have a problem with uh, minorities and where minorities can go. And uh, they have a problem with uh, the perverted homosexuals and uh, the weird transgender people. So now it's time. It's it's definitely a time for more people in our community and uh, allies of our community to speak up and come forward. And so some, there's no hesitation on the other side, you're saying? No, so none at boldness all. Is, yes. is the way to respond. Is your Absolutely. There are um, some uh, higher positions that are encouraging this type of behavior. And so they do it. And so now we need to be just as forceful, if not more loud, which is, again, why I thought it was wonderful that Robert came up with this concept because we need we we get our point of view across through our voices and it could be that one person that someone brings to the to our upcoming concert that one person that's been on this side saying you know oh you all are just horrible people that hears this message and says wait a minute, they're not that horrible after all. And then take that back to their people and just say, you know, well, I went to this wonderful concert and, you know, my eyes were open. I saw transgender members just enjoying the concert, singing in the concert. I saw African-Americans, Hispanics, uh, many people just out there just, you know, not fitting the stereotype that I thought, but... You know, we were all together. We were all enjoying this. We all cried together. We all communicated afterwards together. You know, this is the kind of, this is what we need right now. Uh, Any way we can get this message out there that, you know, people are suffering and we need to do something about it. Tell me more about the performance itself, the music, and how... um, what it's about and and how it delivers these messages and addresses these concerns. Well, I'll let Robert speak on it more because he he came up with these <laughs> numbers himself. But reading through it, I thought it was beautiful. I think there are some in there that um, will provoke or make you a little teary-eyed. And then there are some in there that aren't. And, you know, it's a good mixture. It's not one of these dark concerts that someone's going to come to and look and say, oh, no, I'm going to be depressed by the end of this. No, it's going to be more enlightening. And it is it's it does tackle more serious um, issues. But at the same time, it's not a downer. In fact, it's it's a very thought provoking and very insightful uh, concert. I was very pleased with the numbers. Um, and the one, the seven, um, seven last words of the unarmed, beautiful. Are you following me for what are you following me for what are you following me? 
It uh, it touches on the um, seven uh, African Americans, uh, Michael Brown being one of them, number four, um, and their last words before they uh, they were killed. Okay, were they all killed in a similar situation? Yes. And how? What is that? That is a uh, six of the seven were killed six by law enforcement. Law enforcement. Uh, one was killed by a neighborhood patrol. Yes. Okay. Okay. So you're you're using a piece that. Um, was composed um, using these words or ideas around these words. Yes. Tell me more about that. Um, so it's a, an Atlanta-based composer named Joel Thompson, and the, all seven the, the seven pieces are, were premiered by Eugene Rogers and the University of Michigan Glee Club, um, in I think in 2015. Um, and each of the seven movements um, are named for one of the gentlemen that have been killed. Uh, Kenneth Chamberlain, Trayvon Martin, Amadou Diallo, Michael Brown, Oscar Grant, John Crawford, and Eric Garner. Um, and it, it's accompanied by piano and, and strings. Shot me. 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 Um, and the textures of each individual um, movement um, are some of them are, are very mood, uh, you know, some of them are, are dark, some of them are angry, some of them are just very thin and transparent that it's almost ethereal. Um, and each of them in and of themselves are, uh, are extremely thought-provoking, but also extremely powerful, some through their complexity, some through their anger, some through their transparency, some through um, just the very simplistic form, um, some of them even through, you know, the words are being are sung once, and the rest of them are used different vocal techniques to repeat the same music. So every time you go back to the original concept, it's put you in a completely different mood or completely different feeling, completely different emotional space, even though it's the exact same thing. It's what it's interspersed with. I mean, the work, uh, all seven movements, um, there's a little bit of the movement, the first movement, the material end put, comes back at the very, very end, which ties the whole thing together that... These are seven men who have died, who didn't need to, and that no one's been held accountable for their loss. And it's just, it's, it has the opportunity to really touch people and reach people instead of punching them in the, you know, proverbially punching them in the face. It's through its, its um, it comes across in its um, subtlety and reaching into the depths of your soul to be able to communicate with you. That was Robert Stump, artistic director of the Gateway Men's Chorus, along with chorus member Kevin Gardner, talking about the group's upcoming performance, We Will Rise. I'm Nancy Fowler, and this is Cut and Paste, St. Louis Public Radio's arts and culture podcast, produced with help from my editor, David Casares. The music that you heard includes a variety of groups performing songs that are part of the March 16th through 17th Gateway Men's Chorus Concert. You can find Cut and Paste at stlpublicradio.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Cut and Paste is sponsored by Gemma, architects, planners, and designers. No one can win the war individually It take the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy Welcome to the story we call victory The coming of the Lord, my eyes have seen the glory One day, when the glory comes It will be ours, it will be ours 
St. Louis Public Radio's The Gateway gives you the day's news first thing every weekday morning. From the ever-evolving relationship between St. Louis City and County to developments in the Missouri and Illinois state capitals and reports from our correspondents in Rolla and the Metro East. We put it all in a roughly 10-minute package with clarity and context. Download The Gateway wherever you get podcasts.